All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. here like I don't I will cover the Canucks yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks just wave the guy and get Demko involved I wanted them in and down wow we should do a radio show together <laughs> right on I want to fist bump you right now Pearl steals cutting in shoots scores don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Be sure to use our promo code HockeySeason, all one word, capital H, capital S. That'll get you $5 off on their website, ZephyrEpic.com. And don't forget, free shipping on orders over $50. Quads, it's been a busy day uh, for news, I think, today for the Vancouver Canucks when not really a lot has been done, but it felt like a busy news day on the Friday as we're recording this. How are you doing on this Friday, Quads? I'm doing well. I'm doing better than JT Miller was when he was talking about them coming back on a Friday night. This is a, we're recording this on Friday night, Chris, and you know, people who listened to last episode, we were talking about, man, are we going to have to break the rule? Are we going to for the first time ever have to upload a Canu- an episode of Canucks Conversation on a Sunday instead of a Saturday? Every time. It's been a Saturday every week since you've started this show. It's been on a Saturday. But not it wasn't going to be like that this week. So thankfully, we called. We made some calls to the league offices, got them to change the schedule around so that we, uh, our podcast could be accommodated. Very nice of them. Yeah, absolutely. Quadfather mode was engaged to make that happen. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Sunday's we, uh, the lo- sun- we actually were the ones that told JT Miller to say all that stuff. They're actually not tired. They're, the Canucks are in really good shape. It was just we really needed to do the podcast for Saturday. So I got in JT Miller's ear and just told him to tell them that they had to postpone the game. So, yeah, we, we, we made it happen. Yeah, just send him a quick text, say, go off, King, and he just took it from there. Let's let's start right there, Quads. Let, let's start with the JT Miller comments. Um, you know, it's been a couple days. We haven't recorded an episode since that happened, but I know we, we both strongly feel that what JT Miller said was, was, I don't know, like another word to put it, but kind of incredible for him to come out and say that. And, you know, very, very, very good showcase of leadership, I think, to go up and step in front of the media and talk the way that he did to, to us on that interview and to be 100% honest about, you know, it, not really feeling safe for a lot of these guys and not only to them to get back on the ice and play hockey, but I think the thing that really hit a lot of people was how much JT was talking about families being affected about this. You know, we heard Tanner Pearson talk about his pregnant wife a couple days ago, but JT kind of just took everything up to the next level and said, like, this, is, this isn't this is just a, a thing where you get rid of the flu and it's day-to-day and you're back on the ice. Like, what were your initial thoughts from, from what we heard on JT Miller on that Zoom call earlier in the week? Yeah, in all seriousness, that was, that was a, I mean, it's got to be in the top five of Canuck player interviews or media availabilities, right? Like, obviously, there's, there's a few in there that stand out, like Burroughs on the bike, uh... Luongo with contract sucks and I, I don't have them all prepared in front of me but legitimately that's one of I think it, it it has to be one of the greatest moments ever from a Canuck player talking to the media and it happened over zoom yeah but it just for for him to come out and say what he did and just speak his mind like we we both thought and you and I talked about this off air we both thought it was gonna be much much like Tanner Pearson and you know, we we knew that something was going to come from Miller. Like I texted you the night before. I said, "Hey, they're giving us Miller tomorrow. Be around because he's going to say something." I didn't know what he was going to say. I wasn't expecting that. I, I absolutely wasn't. Um, but for him to say that they flat out weren't ready, like I really wasn't expecting that. Like you know, the the cliche hockey answer and from the Bo Horvat Media School of the Arts, he would have told him to say like, "Yeah, just say like, yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation, but." We have to be adaptable this year. We're going to come out and work hard. But it's just, that's not the truth. You know what I mean? And JT Miller just gave the truth. And I think that's what we want to see more from these guys is just tell us the truth. Just say say what's on your mind. Tell it how it is. And that's exactly what JT Miller did. So 
I mean, I really liked what he said in the availability. I thought it was extremely necessary. I mean, you, you just looked at that schedule and you saw that there were guys who were still, like he said, struggling to get upstairs and now they're going to be asked to play in a game. It's like, Quinn Hughes needed IV, Chris. You don't just have need IV and then it's like, okay, have fun playing 24 minutes a night for the next 19 days or whatever it was, the next 31 days and playing 19 games. Like, that's not easy to do. And even Troy Stetcher was on Donnie and Dolly this morning and he was like, I'm glad it's not me that has to play that schedule, but man, I feel for those guys. And you do, like, you do feel for those guys, especially if they didn't have these extra two days to get ready. But here we are, JT Miller scares the league into 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 postponing the games because I'm telling you, Chris, he was going to go to Toronto and they were going to hear F-bombs from outside the league offices and they're like, oh no, JT Miller, he's here. And that was when they were going to have to change it. So they wanted to get in front of that. And they, uh, they, they did. They changed it. It was good. Yeah, because I think that's the thing that we need to look back at as we, as we go back earlier in the week to the JT Miller Zoom conversation that he had with us in the media. And... This at the time he was doing this what forty eight hours or so maybe a little bit more than that but like forty eight hours two days away from playing the first of back to backs and what he talked about was we're about to be put on the ice to play against two of the best players in the world and then play one of the best teams in the league the next day and man like I I just I can't give more props to J T Miller because I think we saw it on social media like you know fans didn't want the Canucks to play the players obviously weren't ready to play and it just felt like it's like who are you trying to like, who are you trying to please to put them on the ice? Like, was it the Oilers that, like, needed to be pleased? And that's why you wanted to play the Friday game? Because now those games are pu- getting pushed back. They're actually going to be going until May 19th. We'll touch on the schedule a little bit later. But just just to see him step up like that, I thought that was incredible leadership shown by JT Miller. And we, we got some more action today uh, talking to Bo Horvat and Jim Benning. One of the things I want to break down from the conversation that stuck out from Jim Benning was that you know, something that he kind of said in passing was that three or four guys might still not be ready to go on Sunday. And that's a four o'clock game on Sunday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that doesn't surprise me one bit. And I just think that I, I still wonder like how many players condition changes from having to play on Friday up until Sunday. Like, I really do think that this team is going to be missing more than three or four guys. It's tough to say, like, Okay, so so what we do know is that there are guys skating, and you know they have some guys on the taxi squad. They called up Jack Rathbone, but just to be clear, Jack Rathbone still has to do a quarantine. He's not eligible to play in the Sunday game. So, uh, like, it, it's tough to say, and I don't really want to speculate on guys' health, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's only three that are missing from the lineup. That's all I'm going to say on it, but... I I just I'll just say that I I won't be surprised if they're not shorthanded when they go on Sunday. I I honestly think that they're gonna have most of those guys, even those three that maybe aren't ready to ready to practice right now. Like maybe those guys try and push it. I'll say three for sure are probably out of the lineup, but I I don't think it's gonna be more than that. Yeah, I just I'm wondering if like if they can get back to I just. It sucks so bad because it's like these guys, you can't expect them to be at 100% coming back from this. Not only even, like JT Miller talked about it as well in his conversation earlier in the week, but like he when he took back to the ice, he said his lungs were burning. Right, like he says, his lungs were burning. He didn't contract COVID in this past uh, this past breakout that they or outbreak that they had. Uh, you know, he had a or was did he test positive at the start of the season? I always forget this. Or was he just a no. close contact? No, he was a close contact with Jordy Ben. Never tested right. positive. I think he's immune. Yeah, he might be. I mean, good, good for him. Uh, but uh, just, I mean, 
to think that they're going to get back on the ice and give us 100% of what this Canucks team will look like, I don't think we're going to see that on Sunday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think you're going to see that for the rest of the season. And I don't know. It's going to be tough to follow this team. It's going to be a really weird feeling just being back at the rink to watch this because these players just have gone through hell the past couple weeks here. And and I want to get back onto the ice a little bit more. So maybe we'll just, we'll close out with what, uh, you know, talking about COVID here, about the things that Bo Horvat maybe said today. And if anything stuck out from him or even just, I think a lot of people were commenting on his appearance, just looking at him. And he talked about losing some weight over this break. And now his wife is getting it and she's had it pretty bad for the past couple, couple of days here. So maybe anything, anything to take away from Horvat's availability today, or was it just going to be, you know, corporate Bo? That's kind of who we got. Uh, it felt like for most of the interview. Yeah, man, Bo, Bo knows what he's doing when he's talking to the media. Um, I don't want to comment too much on his You know what's appearance. funny with Bo Horvat, the way that he answers? It's like, you hear reporters sometimes when they'll ask a question and they'll kind of like give you two options, right? Like, you know how you ask a question, you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh, Bo, was it like this or like this? And then it, you see him just like think quickly. He's like, mm, that's the one that I need to answer. And then he just like expands on one of the options that a reporter gives him. So uh, from now on, if I'm asking Bo Horvat questions, like it's not going to be an either or question like it's got to be like a direct to the point make him come up with it otherwise he just rides with whatever the safer option is from the reporter giving him two options speaking of questions to bo horvat chris interesting question from friend of the show thomas drance did you hear that question today i don't know if you were on the call but he asked horvat he said did you get any support from management and ownership and bo answered listen okay i don't know if he didn't hear drance that really didn't appear to be the case but bo's answer he was just like, yeah, you know, that's huge, getting support from... And then he just lists off everybody except management and ownership. He's like, yeah, guys around the league, uh, their families, and like... like, He just listed off a bunch of people that weren't management and ownership. And it was just weird because he was asked about management and ownership specifically. And he was like, yeah, it's huge getting that support from... And then he just said everybody but management and ownership and i don't know that was just an interesting answer i think um but yeah that that, that was something that i noticed today that kind of made me raise my eyebrow a little bit yeah no absolutely i don't i don't think bo would be the guy to do that uh and do it on purpose i feel like that was kind of just a slip up and, and to, social yeah. media ran with it yeah i mean yeah. social media took that and, and lit it on fire um but i mean you know, if it was JT Miller, I think there would have been a point, you know, if JT Miller said that for sure, or maybe, you know, I can't even really think of somebody else in the locker room to do that. But, you know, I, it's, it was hard to get, it's always hard to get something real and honest out of Bo, but I think there was glimpses of it today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And especially when it's such a, such a human thing, right? And just, you know, his wife's sick and, you know, they didn't have to test Gunner, he said, but still that's, that's not easy to do. You know what I mean? Like that's not an easy situation to be in. So man, uh, yeah, that, I think that was probably as honest as we've seen Bo Horvat in a long time. Yeah. Well, you know what quads by the time, you know, I guess by the time this episode comes out and it's 24 hours old, uh, the Canucks will be back on the ice. So I'm just curious, like what kind of, what kind of play do you think we should expect to see from this Canucks team on Sunday? Maybe we can touch on some players that you might think sneaking into the lineup, but like what kind of game are you expecting to watch Sunday at four o'clock? Not a great one, but I will be there. I'm going to that game, so I'll, I'll be. Uh, maybe I'll do the post game report. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll I'll leave it to you, but we'll see. I'll pr- I'll probably end up doing it. But the one thing I want to say, Chris, they're missing a goaltender. I don't know if you caught that. Something Jim said today is one of their goaltenders mm-hmm. isn't ready to go. He didn't say who. We're gonna find out very soon, and we would find out if we were allowed in the building for practices. Which, by the way, people are people are talking about this a lot on on Twitter right now. 
you know, that's against the rules, the CBA rules. And now, obviously, this is a unprecedented situation. It's very different. But Jim Benning's opening the door to him getting fined for having a closed practice, right? Like, closed practices, it goes against the CBA. You can't do that. But I don't know, maybe they just got special exception that we're just not aware of yet. I'm sure that's probably the case. But, you know, as it stands, the the door is open for them to get fined for this. And, you know, I'm not really complaining. I don't really go much to the practices. I leave that to the actual beat reporters. But, um, you know, like, we would know. We would know which goalie it is. And we don't. So if it's Braden Holpe in net, I'm sorry, Chris. Like, (laughs) that's a worse game than we thought. You know what I mean? Like, Braden Holby got COVID, as did Thatcher Demko. One of them is still struggling and maybe won't be ready to go for Sunday, which means we could see Mikey DiPietro back up in that game. It likely means that, but man, if it's Braden Holby in net, that is that is tough. And then, oh man, I'm just uh, like I'm looking at this situation and just seeing like if you're if you're missing Thatcher Demko when you come back, we thought it was going to be bad before. Like imagine this team before they had COVID without Thatcher Demko, what it looked like. Now imagine them all yeah. having COVID and the goaltender had that had COVID and it's not Thatcher Demko in net. Like, that's going to be bad, Chris. That's going to be bad hockey. And you know what? Nobody should fault them for it. Nobody should be ragging on Braden Holpe. Nobody should be ragging on the players if they come out and have an absolute stinker against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Sunday. Nobody. Like, I've even seen, like, the worst people on Twitter be like, well, nobody should be criticizing these guys. It's like, okay, great. At least if, if these guys are on board, then I don't think we're going to see anybody be like, oh my gosh, why is he not back-checking harder or whatever? You know what I mean? I don't think we're going to see that personally. Yeah, I, I don't think that's... Yeah, I don't think there's a lot to expect from this team. And, and like you said, they're really shitty. I mean, these guys just went through a hell of a battle over the past few weeks here. And not only you know, between themselves as individuals, but as you talked about with the family as well, and and to come in and play, you know, the best team in the division, potentially one of the best teams in the NHL four o'clock start to make Toronto fans happy. You're, you're about to be, I don't think it's going to be a great showing for the Canucks on Sunday. And I think that's going to be the way the season goes. So do you think that that, that changes the way that, you know, it's, it feels almost weird to transition to hockey, but we got to do, we got to talk about the players on the ice and talk about the sport that these guys are playing. Um, where do you think the season kind of the vibe goes for the young players moving forward? And this is this is brought up today as Jack Rathbone gets called up to the Vancouver Canucks. Still have not heard back at this point right now about Sven Berchi. I, I got confirmation that Gadjevich wasn't called up. Uh, I got confirmation that Jack Rathbone was called up, but I still have not gotten an answer back on Sven Berchi um, if he's called up or if he's still staying down in Utica. By the time this podcast probably comes out, uh, I'm sure Dollywall's probably got that out there already on a tweet, but uh, maybe, maybe I'll get this scoop today uh, and just waiting on to see what happens with Sven Berchi here, but he could be called up. But let's talk about some of the young players like Cole Lind or Jonah Gadjevich who didn't get the call up or Jack Rathbone. Like how much play do these players deserve to get for the remainder of the season? Well, like I said on the last podcast, Chris, is like, I look at Jack Rathbone as a guy, you know, if Quinn Hughes is down, just try Jack Rathbone in that, in that spot. You know what I mean? And obviously, Rathbone has served the seven-day quarantine, which starts to beg questions of, okay, why wasn't this done two weeks ago? Obvious, obvious reasons. They didn't, they didn't want to call him up when there was so much uncertainty around the team. I get that. Uh, but it, it, it's tough because if you lose Quinn Hughes or he's not, he's one of the players that's not ready to go, you really don't have anybody to slot in there. But if you had Jack Rathbone, at least you kind of have that offensive dynamic defenseman that can just slot in and you at least get a look at Jack Rathbone as well. I like I, I think he deserves to have a shot. 
at some point here, and I think he will. I, man, when when we talk about the young players that haven't really gotten a ton of games in, Michael DiPietro is probably number one on that list. But Jim Benning even said today, like it doesn't seem like there's any plan. Like when Jim was talking, he was asked directly if there's a plan, and he just said, "I can't really answer that right now." And yeah, like I get that, but it's also you should have had a plan before this season for Michael DiPietro. You know what I mean? There had to be something in place. And again, we've talked about this at length. A lot of this isn't on Jim that he wasn't allowed to sign a third goaltender for the taxi squad for financial reasons. That's not Jim's fault. But man, that is that is really tough for your 20-year-old 20-year-old goalie's development, right? Like that's that's not good for your goaltender's development to miss a full year. That is really tough on him and it's important for him to get some games at some point. And Benning didn't close the door to him getting uh, getting games at the NHL level. He said maybe that'll be in the cards. And honestly, why wouldn't it be? You know what I mean? Like, if you're not going to be trying to win the games toward the end of the year, you, you've got you've got to get Michael DiPietro some playing time. And I think the same can be said for Jack Rathbone as well. Yeah, I'm I'm in the camp of these guys need to play. You know, not only just I just feel the way that the season's gone. These guys just need to play. Like that's got to be the light at the end of the tunnel of this long, crappy, dark, COVID-filled tunnel. You know, that's got to be the light at the end of the tunnel for Canucks fans, for the Canucks organization, really for everyone. Is like give the young guys a chance right now to play, whether it's Rathbone or Lind, or you know, keep playing Huglander high up in the lineup if he's doing fine. Like keep bringing up these young guys that is going to help your team get to the finish that is just finishing this season. You know, getting that fifty-six games in that's going to be a tough task to ask and I think it's going to be really hard just kind of as we close out the month of April that's going to be the toughest times for these guys as they're you know recovering back to playing hockey games having to skate and and exude that much effort and I just think it's going to be a lot of a, a very tough spot for these guys we're going to see the Sautners we're going to see the Breeze Boys. you know we, we saw Seelovs get called up as well to the squad which I love that they call it the squad by the way uh, but I mean it doesn't it's not like it slows down right like it doesn't slow down in May like at the end of April is hectic they play a ton of games here from the 18th to the 29th they're playing seven games in those 11 days I mean that's a ton of hockey to play and it doesn't slow down in May as you move into the month of May with three back-to-backs in that week and and multiple times where it's just one day off right I mean this this is going to be a real tough finish for these guys and having these young players around that weren't affected by COVID or were able to just escape it and stay away from the team if they're taxi squad guys like this is the time to play the wheels off of those guys this is the time to play your young players this season's already thrown away like 100%, not only because of the record, but the situation that's out that's played out here for the Vancouver Canucks. This season is an absolute throwaway, and don't make it a throwaway. You know, Test these young players, get them into game action, see what they look like at the NHL level as they're playing against other teams that are prepping to get into the playoffs or make a push to get into the playoffs. I mean, it, it feels like a no-brainer for me to get a lot of these young guys in, and you know, there's got to be nights where Alex Edler just needs to be a healthy scratch just for him to be able to be able to finish this season. You know, Tyler Myers deserves to be a healthy scratch at times. If you're able to bring in another guy that can play, like a Rafferty perhaps, maybe he comes in the lineup instead of a Tyler Myers. Like, it's giving it's giving such an open door to give your young players an opportunity to play that it just it feels like too much of a of a tap in that just like the Canucks won't do it. Like we're gonna see a ton of Sautner probably. We're gonna see, you know, I, I just it feels like the young players need to be at the top of the who's going to play tonight list and I just don't know if we're going to get there to be honest I get what you're saying when you say put in Rafferty and take out Myers but man I I don't think they're going to do that at any point nor do I think they should to be honest with you I don't think like I get the season's a write-off but they're still trying to win to an extent you know what I mean like they're not trying to get blown out and if they listen Myers plays top four minutes for this team 
if they throw in Rafferty and they're like, okay, you're going to have to play top four minutes tonight, they're, they're just going to lose by like a lot. And that's not good for anybody, especially the young players. So I get what you're saying, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if, if Rafferty's kind of the guy that you should be, you know, we got to get a look at Rafferty. You know what I mean? It's just, you got to look at him earlier in the season. It just looks like he can't really play. And unless something's changed, I just, I don't see the benefit of taking out a guy like Myers and putting in Rafferty. I just don't. I, I feel like they know what they have in him. I, I don't think so. I think that Rafferty, that one game that he got was a tough look. I mean, it's he's got to get more looks at some point this season. I mean, what he did in the AHL last year in a good AHL, being one of the top defensemen is, as a rookie in the AHL, that doesn't just happen out of nowhere, right? I mean, th- this is a guy who had a tough break earlier this season. I think he's got to be able to get back into a game. And I and I just I look at the way the season's going to end. I think the biggest challenge is just getting to 56 games and keeping everyone healthy. And it makes a lot of sense to rotate these guys into the lineup. And, you know, Rafferty, I still think, is one of the defensemen that should be at the top of the rotation list. Kind of just behind, you know, just behind Rathbone and Yulevi, I think Rafferty's the next guy up. I don't, I don't need to see more of Ashton Sautner or Guillaume Brisebois. I don't need to see those guys. I, I know what they can do. They're AHL defensemen who can slide into the NHL and play eight minutes sheltered in a pinch. Like there's still a lot of offensive potential for Rafferty, and I do think that the one game doesn't show exactly what he is as a hockey player. He deserves a few more games to show what he can do this year. That's fair. I, I can respect that. I can respect it. But also, wasn't Derek Pouliot like right up there with him in AHL scoring or whatever? Yeah, but it wasn't Derek Pouliot's rookie professional season either. Fair. Very fair. Okay. Yeah. This guy made That's a fair. jump from NCAA hockey to professional hockey and made it as as smooth of a transition as I've ever seen a defenseman do it at the AHL. And not very like fair. I've been tracking the AHL defenseman for a long time, but you know, for the last four years of tracking guys coming to the AHL and seeing defensemen put up points, I've, I haven't seen anyone do it at, this, at the rate that Brogan Rafferty did last year. So I, I think that, that there's still something there. And I'm not saying that he needs to be the guy playing top four minutes for the remainder of the season, but you know, a couple games, maybe a handful of them, where he is playing as like a fourth defenseman or even the fifth guy. Like it doesn't need to be a lot of minutes. It's just, you know, give him the opportunity. Give a lot of these young guys opportunities. I There's one that I want to talk about a little bit more and it's how Cole Lynn kind of fits into the lineup for Sunday. You know, with Jim Benning saying that there's three or four players that will not be in, it, it feels like, you know, it's a tap in again to bring up that that analogy that, you know, Cole Lynn should be in the lineup for Sunday's game. What would you kind of expect from Lind on his debut if he is in the lineup on Sunday against Toronto? Honestly, it depends where he plays. You know what I mean? Like, they're just going to want him to be they're just going to want him to be responsible, right? And they're not going to want him to try to do too much. And I think that's kind of how Lynn's game works. I would honestly, Chris, if he does what he says he's going to do. And like, you know, he, he did say in an interview with you that he does think he's still going to be getting under guy's skin. Cause that's when he's at the top of his game. Honestly, we see guys like that come up and then in their like first few games while they're getting comfortable, they're not really comfortable with that part of the game yet. But man, uh, it, how great would it be if the Canucks are getting, you know, whatever, like the game doesn't really matter that much because it's the first game back or whatever. And Cole Lynn's just somehow getting under Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner's skin on like Hockey Night in Canada. Well, I guess not Hockey Night in Canada, but still, it's like a national broadcast. Everybody's going to be watching this game. How cool would it be for Cole Lynn to just, you know, get under somebody's skin, you know, because that's what he does in the AHL. And be freaking I'm awesome ex- is what it would be. I'm not expecting that from him in his first game, so I don't want to use the word I'm expecting to see that, but I think that would be a fun little thing to cover for sure if he did do that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing about Cole Lynn's game is he's not going to be 
the big, tough Ryan Reeves guy, right? Where you can't do anything on the ice because he's going to beat the crap out of you. Like, what Colin's going to do is he's going to piss you off. Like, he's really going to piss you off. I, I always stay by, I stand by the quote that Joe Roberts, uh, play-by-play of the Utica Comets last year told me. It was just like, he's like a fly, right? Like, when there's a fly flying around in your room on a hot, hot summer day, and then you even hit it. Like, you might even hit the fly. And it goes away, and you're like, oh, perfect. And then it just, like, bounces back and starts flying again. Like, that's the way that Cole Lind annoys players. Like, he's going to be in your face. His voice is just, his voice is piercing, right? Like, he's got a, I don't know how he gets it. He's got a high-pitched voice on the ice, and when he starts to scream, he's going to be an annoying guy. And and I think if he's able to bring that, like, let's not forget, Jay Beagle's on IR right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Elias Pettersson who we'll get to in the second half of this episode as well he's on IR as well so there is a there is a world where Colin comes in and plays fourth line center on a line that potentially looks like what maybe Zach McEwen and Travis Boyd maybe like is that what a fourth line might look like on on Sunday here oh man yeah it's like well like and that's the spot for him to be in you know this the best spot for for Lynn to be in right now is to put him on a line with Zach McEwen and be like, yeah. hey, listen, you know, if you want to just be a little rat and go and piss off people, if this is going to be what you're going to do at the NHL level, here's Big Mac Zach. He's right beside you on your wing. You know, go be an ass. <laughs> like, go ahead and be an ass. Like, if, if someone messes with you, Zach's got your back, right? I mean, like, hmm. this is the time to to let Cole Lynn go off the leash a little bit. You know, just like Zach McEwen's dog Lenny has been doing at the beaches lately. Lenny's getting his work in. Um, you know, I just... This is the time to me where a fourth line, if you're going to play Cole Lind at center, Sunday's a great opportunity to do it in a fourth line role where he's not playing a ton of minutes. You know, he does, he's not going to probably be, he probably won't be on the power play unit, but if you are looking at what the second power play unit comes together as, you know, there is a spot for Cole Lind to go on that second power play unit while playing fourth line minutes. So I, I think he's going to have an impact when he makes his debut just because of the, the situation around him with this organization, though it's horrible and, and it's been brutal to hear what everyone's been going through. A guy like Cole Lind, who's been able to stay healthy through this time and be in Vancouver, for him, if you're just looking at it personally, this is the best opportunity of his life. Right? Like, this is the best chance for him to make an impact at the NHL level. This is the biggest night of his life. when he, If he gears up and plays on Sunday, Like this is his moment. So it, it's very different sides of, of the spectrum, for sure, where the players are like coming back to Sunday. But I think you're going to get a fired-up Lind if he is in, the, in action on Sunday. Absolutely. And just to answer my own question from earlier, I don't think Matthew Highmore is going to be available because he was traded for on Monday, had to do a seven-day quarantine. Right. I think he'll be available for Tuesday. If not Tuesday, he'll be ready for the next game. But I don't think Highmore is available for Sunday night. So yes, to answer that question, I do see that fourth line happening, Chris. Definitely. With uh, yeah. with Lind there, absolutely. I, I think The only other route I can see them going is, is Michaelis, maybe? Yeah, Michaelis, yep. Michaelis as well. But don't well, I'm, just, I'm just trying to think like which centers would be able to play on the fourth line role. Like what you're gonna have, you're gonna have, you know, you're gonna have uh, Bo Horvat playing center. Obviously, you're going to have. I mean, I'm just trying to think. Of, why can't I think of centers? Right? I mean, JT Miller is gonna, yeah, yeah JT Miller is gonna play center, and Brandon Sutter, and then from there it's what Michaelis, McEwen, Boyd, McEwen has played a little bit of center, but like, yeah. you know. Cole Lynn, this is the opportunity, man. This is the chance yep. for him to come in and play. Absolutely. And the thing to remember as well, Chris, Brandon Sutter was one of the guys that was hit hard by COVID, right? Like, he had really bad symptoms. and Totally. We That's don't one of the know. players that I just think might be one of those three or four that won't be ready to go. Like, it makes well, a lot of sense that it would be Brandon Sutter. Quinn Hughes is the other name that's come up about it. Those are, those are two of the names that I'm, I'm not confident, but I feel like from what we've heard and what's been reported, those might be two of the three or four guys that won't be there. 
For clarity's sake, at the time of this recording, the NHL COVID protocol list has two Canucks players on it now. It was three, so you could probably figure out that it was those three that wouldn't be ready to go, but now it's kind of like, it's it's a little more interesting because the only two guys on that list, I believe, are Schmidt and Hoaglander. So, man, like, it's... It's tough because that's you still don't have a center. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it's just okay. Sorry, I found. And it's it. not was, like Cole. It's not like Cole Lynn's been a center developing in the AHL. Yeah, he just switched to it and didn't even play ten games of it at the AHL. So like, yeah, man, this is you're really patching things together just to still get on the ice on Sunday, even with this extended time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to clarify, Nate Schmidt and Jake Vertanen are the only two Canucks remaining on the list. So. I would assume, Chris, if they're still on the list, that that means that they are part of that group of three that isn't ready to go. Maybe Hoaglander, who was just removed from the list today, is a part of that list. But again, we don't know who Benning was talking about when he said three or four guys aren't going to be ready to go uh, and aren't ready to practice yet. I like We don't know who those guys are. So I think it's a very real possibility that you're missing Brandon Sutter on Sunday night. And at that point, I think it is time for Lynn to slot in and have to play some heavy minutes as a center. Yeah, uh, I think that's what we're going to... I think that's what we'll see on Sunday, to be honest. I think he's there. He's been healthy. He's been able to avoid this whole thing. I think that he's... He's a slam dunk to play on Sunday. So we'll uh, we'll turn the page right here. Uh, we do have something to talk about on the other side that Jim Benning said today. Uh, so we'll get to that on the other side. We're just going to throw some ads here. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back with the second half of this week's episode. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 49 Beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach-flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. i got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the Peach Bod for yourself from Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram, at Parallel 49, as in the numbers, and then beer, that's Parallel 49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from Parallel 49 Beer. Be sure to check out their website, Parallel49Brewing.com. That's Parallel, the numbers 49Brewing.com. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. Moving on along, we want to throw a big shout out to our friends over at Mike's Hard Lemonade and Neutral Vodka as well. Couple of new releases from each of these guys right now. Mike's Hard has released the new White Freeze. It's here from the 90s to freeze your summer with refreshing cream soda flavor, as well as Neutral Vodka launching their new juice line with their regular vodka sodas 
now including fruit juice flavors to spice it up a little bit. I know I'm into that because I love my sweeter drinks. Uh, so be sure to check out the new Mike's Hard White Freeze as well as the brand new Neutral Juiced series. And if you're of legal drinking age, head on down to the local BC liquor store and pick yourself up a six pack of one of these new drinks. And thank you very much to our sponsors. Let's uh, move on with the with the episode quads. There was, there was some big news as well dropped by Jim Benning today saying that Elias Pettersson must now, you know, he's seen a specialist earlier this week. I believe he said Wednesday. Uh, he is skating, but there was no timeline for him to be returned. I believe the quote was if he's going to return this year. So looking at the situation with Elias Pettersson, is it safer just to shut him down for the year, do you think, and, and make sure that he's at 100% health coming into next season? Or do you think that getting back into some games is what this team needs from all their players and all, all hands need to be on deck? Like, do you... I don't want to say force Pedersen back, but if he's healthy enough to play, does he does he have to go back in the lineup for the Canucks, do you think? No, I don't think so. I think it's time to shut it down. Um, you need this guy next year. You need him the year after that. You need him the year after that. You need this guy healthy long term. The Canucks aren't doing anything this year, Chris. Like It's, it's an absolute fallacy to think that they're gonna go on some sort of run like it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen like gt miller was even saying in his availabilities like i hope no one takes this the wrong way because i'm a competitive guy but i'm not even thinking about playoffs right now like the main the main focus is making sure we all stay safe and healthy and that our families stay safe and healthy like you don't just get absolutely smoked by covid like this and then just bounce back and make a playoff push like maybe beforehand it was already a long shot but now it's just like i don't want to hear anybody talking about playoffs okay i i don't i don't want to hear that so you need Pedersen for next year because look i know a lot of people think next year is going to be a write-off but there are some ways that this team can be competitive next year and paramount is that elias Pedersen plays a full season so you need him healthy you need him healthy for that wrist injury, you need to make sure that that is solved. You need to make sure it's completely behind him and that it never comes back and bothers him. You need to give him the offseason to make sure that's the case. I don't see Pedersen coming back this year, to be honest with you. I, I really don't. Just from, you know, just what I've kind of seen, who I've talked to, I really don't think that it's it's going to be something that he comes back from this year. He is skating on his own, but yeah, he I, I don't think he's going to be coming back this year. Yep, and we don't need to look any further than his his line mate and most consistent player that he's played with through his career in Brock Besser, where look what a nagging injury can do to you, and, and look what happens when you come into a season fully healthy and fully confident. I mean, yep. you're absolutely seeing that this year with, with Brock Besser in the conversation for the MVP of this team, right? I mean, he has to be in the conversation with the thing that he's been doing for this Canucks team this season, and... Yeah, if, if it's anything that even has a small possibility of lingering on, it's got to be shut down. You've already had a month without Pedersen, I guess longer than that now. It's almost been two months, right, without seeing Pedersen on the ice. It, it's definitely been two months, right? Like It's been a long time since we've seen Elias Pedersen play a game. Yeah, I think so. I think two months. Yeah, it has been, I yeah. think. Coming up, let's say six weeks. Six weeks sounds right. But it's it's been a long time since we've seen him play for sure, and I don't think that there needs to be any hurry to get him back on the ice. And I think even just to hear Jim Benning say – if if he's not able to return this season like that's enough for me to just say okay that's that's fine then you know like he doesn't need to be coming back anytime soon like obviously you mentioned it playoffs aren't in the conversation the the best part about having Elias Pettersson on your team is what he's going to do to get you into the playoffs and doing the playoffs and that's just not going to happen this season for the Vancouver Canucks so I would just rather see him come back and be 100% healthy coming into next season so I, I'm with you on that one for sure yeah absolutely I don't think there's any other way to look at it to be honest yeah, so, I mean, 
yeah, I guess there's there's a lot more that's kind of come out over these over these Zoom calls, but it's it's been a lot of COVID talk, right? I mean, I want to kind of stick on the ice here moving forward. One of the other positives that I wanted to get into was now that getting Ole Levy back in the lineup, right? After Jordy Ben was traded, you're going to get Levy. He's going to get back in the lineup. He's going to play with Tyler Myers. How big of an opportunity do you think these remaining 19 games are for a player like Levy, who could potentially get back in the lineup for all 19 of them? Well, he really needs to show well in these games, and I think they need to give him a bit of a bigger role, especially now that the games don't matter as much, right? Like, look, Alex Edler is coming off of a deal, and maybe they want to re-sign him, but if I'm the Canucks man... I'm re-signing Alex Edler to pay, play third minute, third pairing minutes. I'm sorry, like you cannot try and compete and still have Alex Edler in your top four. You can if you want him in your on your bottom pairing, seventh D, whatever. Sure, you cannot have this guy in your top four long term. It's just it's not going to work. It just isn't. And if you think Yul Levy can do that, you've got to see it from him sooner rather than later. I haven't seen it from Yul Levy, Chris, and they need to have a plan beyond Alex Edler going into next season, like. Yeah, I I get, like, maybe I sound really positive by saying that next year doesn't have to be a write-off and that they could actually compete next year, but man, like, they could, and the way you do it is by moving on from a guy like Alex Edler, or moving him lower because you've improved in front of him. You need to have a better top four defenseman, and, like, I'm not saying this because I don't like Alex Edler, I just think he's getting older, and you're, you're really seeing some serious signs of deterioration with Alex Edler, like, defending the rush... It just it's it's insane to watch, and I think Nate Schmidt's helped him a lot. Um, I think it's helped mask a few few mistakes that Edler's made. But I'm sorry, like I just I think that Alex Edler needs to be on this team's third pairing going forward. And if you think Ollie Levy can step into that, you've got to see him do it before actually going into next season and being like, well, yeah, we think Ollie Levy's going to play top four minutes after never seeing him do it before. You need to see right. him do it. So I think that's what Ollie Levy needs to do in these last 19 games. He needs to show well in whatever role they put him in. And then I think he needs to have a bit of a more increased role toward the end of the season. Hey, if I were to ask you, and Levy's going to be an interesting one because I think a lot of the minutes that he's going to play, like we've seen all season, have been sheltered. But I just feel that there's going to be opportunities, whether it's Edler coming out of the lineup or Quinn Hughes not being ready to play, there is going to be opportunities for a left shot guy to play in top four. If I were to give you, you know, exact same odds on the average ice time, not the total ice time or how many games they play in, but out of Jack Rathbone and Olya Levy, who do you think has the higher average ice time at the end of the season? At the end of the season? Um, hmm. Oh, that's a really good question, actually. Because, like, if, if Rathbone comes in, yeah, if Rathbone comes in and plays, I feel like he plays with Schmidt or he plays with Hamannick, right? Or he plays yeah. on one of those top lines where you would typically see Quinn Hughes. I yeah. don't think he comes in and plays with Tyler Myers. I think that's no. a big reason why Levy has been given this opportunity. I think the, the organization, the way that they look at Levy and Rathbone is, I think that they're a lot higher on Rathbone, right? Well, I, I think that they think they the potential is... Exactly right, and I think that's the way that they look at it. But we're still seeing Yolevi be up here and not be sent down to Utica like we've seen with Rathbone this season. So I think that I think it would be Rathbone. I think Rathbone would play more average ice time at the end of the season. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I, I do. I think you're right. That 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 was a bit of a curveball to me. Actually, I I had to think about that. But yes, I do think you're right. I do think you're right. I do think it's going to be uh, Rathbone when all said and done. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And I mean, there are questions on the left side. And a big answer to those questions on the left side, quads. Big number 88. 
What do you let's uh, let's get into Nikita Triamkin. We were supposed to do this on the show Why? a few weeks ago. Well, why? Why are we know, getting into this? You want to talk about playing minutes? Nikita Triamkin averaging 21 minutes of ice time, playing on the first pair in the KHL this year. Look to have a bounce back season this year in the KHL. His contract's up. Jim Benning has brought him up, and I know you don't want to entertain the option at all. But $1.5 million on a one-year deal for Nikita Triamkin. Are you saying no to that? That's the highest you go. That is the highest you go. And the thing is, is it's rumored like 2 to $3 million is what they're looking at, and that is way too much for Triamkin. I'm sorry. It's just, look, man, he was, okay, here's the thing, Chris, is he wasn't very good. I, I don't know why people are all of a sudden, like, it just, it, it blows my mind because he wasn't very good when he was with the Canucks, and he was, he was like an okay defenseman on an absolutely horrible blue line. And it's just, if you're not try, if you're not clamoring for Lucas Spiza to come back and play on this team, I'm sorry, what are you seeing in Nikita Triamkin? That he's tall? Like, he hasn't, okay, 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 sorry, I'm gonna take a deep breath here. I'm just saying that he was very, very bad when he left. He wasn't a good defenseman. I don't know where people are getting this idea from. The Canucks, like, people are like, Willie Desjardins should have played him more. You look at his numbers. Willie Desjardins was probably right not to play him. And now, I get it. They were tanking. They should have played their young defenseman more. That's that's something else we can talk about. But he wasn't a good defenseman is the thing. And I'm just, I'm curious what people have seen or what's changed their mind that all of a sudden it's, yes, let's bring back Nikita Triampkin right when this team is presumably entering their window. It's just, you could, if okay, Chris, if you could have Troy Stetcher, at the contract he's at right now, or Nikita Triampkin at 1.5 for one year, who would you rather have? Oh, Troy Stetcher by by a mile. Okay, thank you. I'm just I'm just making sure we're still using our heads here. Perfect. Okay, that's all I needed to hear. Yeah, uh, the thing is, they don't have Troy Stetcher, and Jim Benning is the general manager, and Jim Jim Benning out of nowhere brings up Nikita Triampkin's name last <laughs> week. Right? I mean, I still yeah. think that. There's something that Jim Benning loves to see in Nikita Triampkin. And, you know, I've watched him play this year. He he looks fine, right? Like, there's still a lot of times where where Jim, where Nikita Triampkin does does things that, like, Tyler Myers does, right? Like, Nikita Triampkin is basically just a much worse Russian Tyler Myers on the left, who plays with the left, on the left side, right? Like, that that's a lot of what you're going to see from Triampkin. He's not, he's not going to be good at dealing with pucks around his feet. He's just not quick enough to react to them. But, man, the guy can skate. Like, you know, same with Tyler Myers, right? Like, Tyler Myers, he, he can skate, right? When he gets going, gets a couple strides, he can fly down the fly down the ice, bring the puck into the offensive zone. Same thing with Nikita Triampkin. Like, he can skate. He absolutely can skate. He's absolutely big. He can push players around. There is a lot of potential in this guy. He's still 26 years old. But this would be the final shot. Like, this is this season, I think this is going to be one of the final times that we talk about him. If he's 27 years old and he's in the KHL next season, we should never, ever talk about Nikita Triampkin on the show anymore, but Jim Benning brought him up. Like Jim Benning brought him up. The general manager making every single hockey decision in the end is Jim Benning. And he brought up this player as a guy who can help the defense core next year. So we still have to talk about it. Because it's it's a serious possibility that Nikita Triamp can get signed coming into next season. Yep, sure. Absolutely. I agree. We do have to talk about it. But I'm just gonna remind everybody that this is the same person who said that Jalen Chatfield was gonna come in and help out. So I'm just going to leave it at that. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's a good good way to finish off with it. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, there there is things that he can probably bring to an NHL lineup to help teams. But as a whole, I would be surprised. 
I would be very surprised to see him. There there was a recent article that I read, actually, um, from one of the Russian sites where I get a lot of my Pod Colson information from, and, and they put out, you know, nine players that are likely to jump over to North America and play in the NHL, and number two on that list was Nikita Triamkin. You know, he, he captained wow. a team this year when, well, Pavel Datsyuk was the captain, but he missed a handful of games, actually about a dozen games this year, and, you know, Triamkin worked his way up to being the captain of that team in the KHL, and I think he performed at a pretty high level. He always stuck out when I was watching KHL games, like, you know, maybe not just because of the size, but, like, the way that he carried the puck and moved the puck up the ice, it, it looked different to me than what I've seen him do at the NHL, but at the same time, that's not the NHL that he's playing in. It's the KHL, it's a lesser league. But I wouldn't say it's that that much worse. I mean, I think it's the second best league in the world. I think the KHL mm-hmm. is the second best league in the world. I think it's better than the AHL. And Nikita Triamkin looked like a, not I wouldn't say a star, but he looked like a high-level defenseman in the KHL this past season. You know, similar to what I think an impact like Oscar Fantenberg had on Ska this year, I think a lot of similarities would be seeing about Nikita Triamkin. So there is a spot for, in my mind where I see Nikita Triamkin coming in and being able to help this team as a 6-7 defenseman in a similar way that Oscar Fantenberg did last year. Yeah, that's fair, but remember Oscar, Oscar Fantenberg was on, what, 700,000? Wasn't he on, like, league minimum? Yep. So, that's I think he was, a yeah, he was a million. Can't remember exactly. I think that at, a, I think at 1.5, it's, it's a risk worth taking, honestly. Looking at the defense that you're going to have next year. And, it's, I mean, especially if Edler's not back. If Edler's not back and you're going to be forced to play one of Yolevi, Rathbone, potentially Triamkin, you know, as a guy in your top four, I, I don't know. I think it's worth a shot. I think there's still still potential for him to be an NHL player. I don't know if there's a lot of potential for him to grow into, but I do think that there's potential in what Nikita Triamkin's done over the past few years in, in Russia that he still does have a chance to be an impact. Not an impact, a big impact, but, you know, make somewhat of an impact on a roster that's going to be lacking in defensemen next year. Fair. I respect that. You've watched much more of him than I have, so I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. All right, let's uh, let's get to a prospects report. Uh, let's let's start with Triamkin. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's. <laughs> uh, for, I want to just ask you a question, Quads. What do you know about Ethan Keppen? Uh, not much. I knew that he played for the Firebirds. Okay. So fourth round pick of the Canucks in 2019 made his debut uh, earlier today on Friday as we're recording this. I tell you, quads, he he's a big boy. Like he, I I don't know if he's got the quarantine fifteen on him or what, but like he he is a big guy. Like he was on the ice today. He's solidly six two and a solid two hundred and ten plus pounds. Like this looks like a guy who who is skating around the ice very well uh, in his first AHL game here. And I just right off the bat really liked what I saw from Ethan Keppen in that AHL game and. And uh, I, I'm curious to see what he does moving forward now that he's a pro. I mean, this is a guy that will likely see in Utica for all of next season. But, man, from the initial viewings of him t- today, like he started on a fourth line, ended up playing quite a bit of minutes, worked his way up to the third line, even saw some time with some of the top six guys. Like, quick impact he made on this game. So it was impressive to see Ethan Keppen uh, jump into the lineup and do something for the comments. I, I was impressed from the 20-year-old, to be honest. Yeah, that's good to hear. That's really, really good to hear. Yeah, so quickly just touching on some of the other prospects. We know Jack Rathbone caught called up to the Vancouver Canucks. Excited to see what he can do if he gets his NHL debuts here soon. Um, not much else to report on uh, from Utica. I mean, they've been playing games, which has been good. Jet Wu got his first goal the other day. That was nice to see. Uh, Gadjevic still scoring goals at a high rate. Uh, I just not a lot to uh, to talk about. Zlodiev played back to back games the last couple days and you know didn't have a great performance. I, I watched the first game. He played in overtime. He didn't get a shift in the ten minute overtime period, which was unfortunate. And 
you know, just didn't make a huge impact. I think he's still fighting it coming back from uh, from his injury a little bit, but it's nice to see him in the MHL finals. So not a huge prospects report this week. I, I wanted to spend some time talking about Triampkin because I believe we we said we would do it uh, on the podcast. So uh, we had some fun with it. But let's let's get to the betting segment, Quads. And my first bet is, am I going to survive making this final assignment for BCIT? Because I'm losing my mind right now trying to put together an eight-minute video. Yeah, I don't know. I I just I decided that I wasn't going to. So I I, I don't know. I'm kind of mailing it on that assignment. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, you know, I don't really care at this point. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Any betting tips then? Do you want to get it? Have you been betting lately or keeping busy? What are you doing? Yeah, my Tanner Pearson bet hit, uh, which I talk about every week. But uh, yeah, that's um that's a good one. Um. Here's here's one that isn't actually baseball related, okay? I'll give Ooh. a baseball one because that's what I've been doing the past few weeks. But Taylor Hall, have you seen this, Chris? 37 games with Buffalo, okay? He just matched his goal total through those first 37 games through three games with the Bruins. The guy is hot right now. Go ahead and put some money on Taylor Hall scoring a goal. I think you'll be happy with the results. That's what I'll say. And I'm sorry, but... I think it'd be probably be smart to take the over on shots against in the Canucks' first game back. Like I, I think they're going to give up a ton of shots to the Leafs, so yes. I would take that. I would take the over on that. Yeah, I don't care what the odds are going to put them at. Obviously, Toronto would have been a heavy favorite no matter what. But I, I, I'll, uh, I'll take out the mortgage and and put it on Toronto uh, on Sunday. I don't think that there's a chance the Canucks will. Uh, will uh, be adequate enough to, to put up a fight against the Maple Leafs. I'm going to bet a, a heavy, heavy amount on Toronto winning that game on Sunday. So, um, yeah, shout out to our friends at Odd Shark. Maybe we can get some uh, some numbers from them to see what it looks like on Sunday. But uh, oddshark.com, check them out. They will definitely give you a bunch of the money lines, everything, where to make the best bets, where the best value can be used on different betting sites. So be sure to check out oddshark.com. Uh, Quads, anything else you want to close out with, man? I just I got to get back to this, this final assignment here. I'm getting through it. Like I got all the video done at this point. Uh, just missing a cut, like maybe three minutes of video, but I got to put the audio in and, and I'm just losing my mind trying to, to work on this uh, Adobe premiere, which I'm sure a lot of listeners have used in the past. But for me, it's just like, it's super laggy. And like when I'm just trying to like edit a video and put something together, like I just want it to be like clean. Right. And like when I post a clip here, I want it to clip here. And then when I press play, I want it to play, but it's so laggy that it's like absolutely driving me insane that I can't put the video quality out the way that I want because the editing system is just so brutal. Yeah. I, I, I have, I could go on and on and on and on about school, but I won't because I'm pretty sure one of our teachers listens to this podcast. So Nothing but great things to say publicly. So subscribe to the Patreon. We never plug the Patreon, Chris. Maybe one day we'll just absolutely, well, just subscribe to the Patreon, people. We we do these episodes called Faber and Quads Shoot the Bleep, and we just talk about non-hockey stuff, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. $5 and $10 tier gets you uh, all the bonus content. So definitely go check that out. Patreon.com slash Canucks Combo. That's it right there. And by the way, Brian Weeb is a great teacher at BCIT. I'll say that. He is. He's he is. And we're not saying teacher. that for any particular reason. No, but he's a great teacher. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> all right. I think we'll wrap things up right there, Quads. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a weird weekend. It's going to be a weird feeling, I'm sure, for you being back in the rink on Sunday. And, you know, I think watching the Canucks even on TV for fans is going to be a strange thing. So we'll wrap things up now. Uh, we're going to be back with an episode next week. I'm guessing we'll probably put it out Wednesday morning because we'll watch the Tuesday night game and have a couple of games to react to. First of all, I, I cannot wait to be able to talk about hockey. Just talk about what's going on in the ice and, you know, hopefully we can put this COVID situation behind us. But I do think that some of it's going to lag into the present as well. So we'll see what happens. But we'll be back with an episode, I'm guessing, Wednesday morning for you guys. Uh, so episode 154 now in the books. Uh, for my co-host, David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber. And thank you so much for tuning into another episode of The Canucks Conversation. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.